0: Welcome to Spark Creators, a podcast that empowers kids to learn, create, and become. This podcast invites creators and entrepreneurs from all over to share their stories and ideas. We believe every kid is creative. It's just a matter of taking that first step and starting now. We hope this podcast can inspire you to create something that makes a difference in the world. If you want to stay inspired, remember to subscribe. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. Or visit us at peachandplumlab.com slash podcast.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Spark. I'm the host, Lee. Today, I'm hosting by myself because our co-hosts are on spring break. So it is wonderful to have Neha Gupta to join us today. Neha is the founder and CEO of Empowering Orphans, a nonprofit organization that strives to help orphans and underprivileged children with education, healthcare, and self sufficient skill sets. Neha started this nonprofit organization since she was nine years old, and her organization has raised over $700,000 and has impacted the lives of 30,000 children worldwide. So over the years of service, Neha was also recognized with many awards like the International Children's Peace Prize, Gold Level President Volunteer Service Award, Philadelphia 76er Hometown Hero Awards, and many others. So hello, Neha. Yeah, glad to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. So uh, to begin with, maybe let's say hi to our listeners and also
0: simply introduce yourself. Yes, absolutely. So I'm Neha, and as Lee said, I'm the founder of Empower Orphans. Um, so a little bit of background about me. I was born in New Zealand. Um, I grew up in Philadelphia and my parents are originally from India. So but I've been here since I was about uh four, I would say. Yeah.
1: Wow. Yeah, that's great. Um so a little bit more maybe about your family background and how did you actually get involved into
0: caring for orphans in India and the U.S.? Yeah, so, um, so, you know, as I said, my parents are originally from India and my grandparents still live there. So every single year when I was younger, we would go to India and we would visit my grandparents. And I used to love going there as a kid because, you know, I got to see my grandparents. I got to see my um, all of my cousins. But what was so unique about these family trips was that as part of um, family celebrations, my grandparents said that if you want to celebrate at home, we also have to go to a local orphanage and celebrate half of the day with the kids as well there. And it was kind of their way of teaching us that you had to give back to the community, and you had to recognize that there were kids who were the same age that were less fortunate. Um, And so we would go there and we would read to the kids, we would hand out lunch, and it was always just, it was a lot of fun getting to play with the kids there, but every time I went, it just, it really broke my heart to see the conditions that they were living in. And I think that it always made me really sad and it was different coming from the U.S. and seeing that versus some of my cousins who are, you know, living in India and going, you know, half an hour away from home. That's right. Um, But it was actually when I was nine, when Empower Friends started, that I actually could understand the situation of these kids even better. So I remember sitting down with this group of girls and they were all pretty much the same age as my cousins and I were and um they were talking about how this one girl didn't know her birthday. And it was just such a small thing to me, It'd be like, "Oh, this why is it that this girl doesn't know her birthday?" Yeah. And you know, they explained to me and I, and I didn't know how to even kind of how to have that conversation. I was nine years old at the time. Um, but these kids told me that, you know, it's because she was left on the side of the road as a baby and her she didn't know anything about her her herself at all, her family, nothing. And um, I think it was in that moment and starting to understand what these kids actually dealt with on a day-to-day basis, um, it made me so fearful for their futures. Yeah, that's pretty
1: amazing that you have such, you know, compassion from a little kid. Yeah, just go help the orphans. And then uh, until you were nine, you started understanding, you know, like some kind of situation and you were able to help them. So this is a tradition, actually, not only for your family, but a lot of your cousins and uncle and aunts. And basically, the whole family was doing this every year as a celebration and also... A act of kind, right, to the yeah orphans. pretty much, yeah, so so pretty did much. did any of your cousins actually helped you too, like along the process, or did they start doing something later?
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it was it was actually kind of something that we could bond over when I was younger. And I think that that was really nice because every time we would go to India, you know, my cousins were then the ones who were coming with us to these trips to orphanages or schools. Um, they were helping pass out books. And they were helping even while I was in the U.S. to set up some of these connections and make sure that um, – things were getting to these kids properly. And the kids were actually, they wanted to see that the kids were having a direct impact. And that was of course hard, you know, being in the US and not being able to see that directly um, sometimes, which is why I would go every single year, but having my cousins there on the ground was so helpful. Definitely,
1: yeah. It's just like the team actually was, you know, on both sides and one can observe, you know, from, like from this side, but then you can also help like locally because of your cousin, right? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah. So you said you wanted to become a doctor and maybe help more kids in the future. And I'm just wondering about your, like, say, value over the years that you developed through, you know, a lot of the uh, great things that you're doing. What kind of, what kind of thing do you believe? um, Yeah, what is your life model? You know, like a lot of Things that drives you going forward yeah can you share a yeah. little bit is that yeah
0: yeah no I think that um, I think that that's uh, people often ask me you know do you why do you want to become a doctor and why do you not you know like you know I've kind of gone down the nonprofit route my whole life um, but there are many reasons that have led me to the medical field one of them is that I've been able to actually see how impactful basic healthcare can be for all of these underprivileged kids. I mean, through Empower Orphans, we've been able to give kids medical access to for the first time in their lives. And we've seen that because they're healthy, they're actually able to go to school. They're actually able to fulfill their potential. Yeah, And it made me realize how powerful medicine is. Um, and then throughout my life and especially throughout college, I went through some really difficult medical issues. Um, and those really just inspired me to realize how much I am, how passionate I am for caring for patients and making my impact through patient healthcare. Um, so I'm really excited for medical school. I'm actually starting in July. Wow.
1: That's Um, wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Thank
0: you. I'm really excited, and I think that I'm most excited for being able to actually work with patients. And they um like there's a lot of these nonprofit uh, free medical clinics actually as part of the medical school that you can go and visit and you can work at. Um, so I'm really excited for that. Um, and um, yeah. Yeah, that's
1: wonderful. Yeah, I'm so proud of you. You said you wanted to become oh, a doctor, you. and now you are like. This, you know, at the door about to <laughs> become a doctor. That's amazing. Yeah. Thank you. And yeah, it is for sure. You know, healthcare, just health in general is such a basic human need that just yes. empowers them to to be able to do anything, you know, if for the basics, yeah, to, to guarantee. And everybody needs to have good health in order to study, to work and to serve others, right?
0: Oh, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I always believe that healthcare is a basic human right. Yes. No, no, no kid should be denied that just because they were born into a different situation.
1: You know, I'm always impressed. You know, by stories like yours, um, someone as a little kid, you know, have such compassion and empathy toward others, and you really work your way up, you know, to get to um, where you are now, and also being able to help so many people, you know, since you were young. And I- I'm wondering, like, like besides that side, we all see you, you know, like in articles, in public, and also on videos. <laughs> Uh, how would you your family and your friends describe you? And what kind of girl uh, are you in others eyes? You know, what kind of personality you have? And yeah, and uh, why, you know, do you feel so passionate about this kind of specific call? So just maybe resonate, you know, with some other types of kids who are out there say, I have the same heart too, as Neha, you know, maybe I can do something similar. Yeah. Yeah,
0: of course. Um, I guess that's kind of it's hard for me to answer that I guess because um you know I wish like my my family members or friends could be sitting here but I think that most people describe me as somebody who is just kind of like a ball of energy and they always tell me that I'm like a ball of sunshine because everywhere I go I'm always trying to make everybody feel happy and laugh um I try to I think my my life goal since I was little is always just to make an impact on everybody's life, to make everybody's life a little bit better. Um, And I think that they would describe me as somebody who really cares a lot and supports their friends, um, gets really passionate about different causes or ideas. Like when I have a cause or something in my mind that I feel really strongly about, like I will not let it go. Like I will do everything in my power to make sure that um, I'm able to help out with it in whatever way. Um, they often... Actually, my friends often always make fun of me because I always have, like, a million thoughts like and ideas. An idea. I'm always, like, pitching new ideas to them. Yeah. Um, and I think that they always make fun of me because I'm always, like, going from project to project yeah. all the time. So
1: entrepreneurial, um, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think so. I definitely think so. But, you know, I think that as, like... Like with any entrepreneur, I think that every single entrepreneur, no matter how old you are, kind of feels that same way where they can't really like sit still. Um, they're always like on the go. They always want to accomplish the next thing um, and know that they whatever they're building is making an impact somehow. Um, but there's so many different, you know, no personality type of an entrepreneur is the same. So it's, it's not like you have to be a specific type of person to be an entrepreneur at all. Whether you're introverted or extroverted, I'm actually, I would say I'm definitely both. I'm an ambivert. Um, Me so too, So i really yes. like, we'll flip between the two. Um, but, and I think that, um, but I think that kind of like helps in a lot of ways. Um, being able to understand like your surroundings and social context to, to pitch different ideas or um, a, like appeal to different audiences
1: definitely definitely um so we'll get into a little bit more detail you know about the um yeah what you have been doing and also a lot of uh, other questions but today i also wanted to give enough time to share the topic you know we're going to um yeah talk about so uh you have been focusing on helping and saving
0: orphans for how many years now at this point so it's been since i was nine years old um which and now i'm almost 23 so a good amount, of <laughs> a good amount of time, a good amount of time since 2006.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty amazing. Yeah, for all these years you have been working with empowering orphans, I'm sure you have a lot to share. Also, in the process, you know, from all the learnings and tips and insights that you have gained over the years by serving all these orphans. Yeah, so, th- so today our topic is the ripple effect. So here's your time to tell us everything that you have learned about the ripple effect through your action.
0: Sure. Um, So basically, you know, I mean, this is something that I have talked about, I think, since I was pretty young. And I think that it's a concept that I realized was really crucial to change making, whether that's creating a nonprofit or creating a business. And basically, the ripple effect is this concept that when you drop a pebble into a pond you see a small ring or a ripple form around this pebble and then the ripples become larger and larger Um, and it's kind of this idea that if you have an idea whether that's a small or big idea the moment you turn this idea into action it will have some impact and your impact can be really quite big if you do convert your idea into action but your initial steps are usually pretty small but that's okay and that's that's very normal um so basically um and I can obviously talk about the projects that we have done and everything um as part of empower orphans but throughout the journey of empower orphans I've seen that when I was younger you know I was kind of just one person starting this nonprofit. And it didn't really start as, you know, me formally creating a nonprofit, but me, you know, selling my toys and having a garage sale and me going door to door selling my own crafts. Um, but the more people I talked to about it and the more projects I did, I was really lucky that it inspired other people to join. And when other people joined, we were able to make that first ripple where we were able to have a larger impact. Um, And as our projects multiplied and our network of schools expanded, we were able to create more and more ripples until we were able to help 30,000 kids in, um, in India, the US, Haiti, Uganda, Latin America. And, you know, I think that what I've learned throughout my journey with empower orphans is that whatever idea you have just start with it you know somebody might tell you it's a small idea somebody might tell you it's too big or too crazy but you will have an impact the minute you turn your idea into action and if you put in the time you put in the dedication and you have this passion to help other people or grow your business you can truly make your idea into this bigger scale of what you envision. Um, and I always tell people, don't be afraid to ask for help. I think that entrepreneurs always think that they can kind of do everything on their own, that they have this idea, they can run with it, and they can manage all of these different aspects, you know, fundraising, marketing, branding, everything. And it's often not possible to do everything. And you should ask for help because that's the only way that your ripple is gonna grow. And that's kind of what I realized when I started to get peers involved, especially when I started um, the university chapter at Penn State, which I can definitely talk about as well, but it definitely taught me that having this team of passionate people is so, so important to having a bigger impact.
1: Yes. You know, from what you have told us, like I I definitely, you know, am interested in, first of all, the actions that you have been taken, as you said, when you wanted to create the ripple effect that first of all, the stone has to reach the water or hit the water hard enough that it creates the ripple, you know, that creates the the wave. So tell us uh, some more about what you have done uh, that you think did create the base for the ripple yet to start
0: yeah so um so i'll okay so i'll rewind to 2006 when i was nine
1: um yes well the first thing yeah well the first very first thing as you say the garage sale that you have done yeah where did that idea come from who helped you and how did that happen
0: yeah um, so I had come back from India to the US and I was I was in elementary school. Like I did not know where to start. I just knew that I had told these kids, well, I'm going to come back and I'm going to bring books that we're going to buy for you. And I, you know, I went down to my basement one day and I saw all of these toys that I had when I was younger. Um, and I just realized, you know, I'm not playing with any of these. I don't need any of these at all. And wouldn't it be great if we could sell all of these toys and make money and then use that money to bring books to the kids in India? So the kind of the garage sale idea came from there where um, my family and I sat down and we were like, all right, you know what? Um, we've never had a garage sale, but let's do it. Let's try it um, let's gather all of our toys. And then I went to my neighbors and I got them to give me their toys too. <laughs> so I convinced them to give me their toys. And we had this combined garage sale and it was, you know, as I said, it was the first time we'd ever done a garage sale. I didn't know what to expect, but from that one fundraiser, we ended up raising $700, which was crazy. Wow. Yeah. And so I, you know, we took that money and the following year, it was around Christmas time and we were able to use that money and buy books for the kids at that same orphanage. So we were able to take these books, you know, make a library. Um, We had gotten sweaters for the kids, food, and celebrate Christmas with them. And I think that, you know, that taking that first step made me realize how much impact you know, $700 could make, even $100, yeah, it's, it made me realize how much of a difference it could make, so then I came back, and I was like, okay, you know what, I think we should just continue this, I think we should continue raising money, and so I started to make and sell my own crafts, and I would go door to door, I would have them, I would sell them at craft fairs, um, then I would actually have I would, um, the orphans would make their own artwork too. And I would convert them into little greeting cards and I would sell those. And then over time I started to, you know, do other things other than like going door to door and selling crafts. So I started to organize fundraising events and apply for grants and different awards. Um, and so kind of like all the, the stream of the revenue for, you know, helping these kids started coming from different sources. Definitely. You know, it's
1: very interesting. You mentioned the idea of the kids creating greeting cards themselves and you're using them to yeah, actually to do um, do the fundraising. Uh, there's a saying in Chinese culture, uh, give a man a fish, you feed them for a day. Yes, But if you teach a man to fish, you feed them for a lifetime. So it seems like that's exactly what you have been doing. You know, teaching the kids a lot of skill sets, you know, sewing and give them tools you know computer to learn how to deal with technology and a lot of things yeah so how did you came to that realization that book books you know are not maybe the only way to help them in some way but you actually expanded
0: your efforts into many other areas just like the ripple effects yeah yeah well it definitely that's so true and I think that we realized that you know it wasn't just I mean the book's In itself was great because they had never had those books before and they didn't have access to books Um, but we also realized we needed to teach them more technical skills we needed to expand projects to help them be healthy or teach them how to you know maybe start their own businesses things that we could help them do so that it could they could be self-sufficient and they could stand on their own feet Um, You know, one of my favorite projects that happened actually two years ago in India um, over a summer. And we did this project with Deloitte, which was really exciting. Um, But we had this workshop for young women and um, they were very, you know, they came from very underprivileged backgrounds and they didn't have obviously the same opportunities to learn and the resources to learn how to start their own businesses. But they came with, like, these different ideas that they had to start a business. And these Deloitte employees and Empower Friends volunteers taught them and had, like, this entire full-day workshop teaching them how to turn their idea into action in a business. And then they gave them, you know, seed money to the, to, um, the women who pitched the best, like, idea, like, business plans and stuff. So we tried to teach them. So that they can go and do something on on their their own afterwards. Yes, yes.
1: Yeah, that's pretty amazing. I think it's definitely some sustainable way to help, you know, to help the community and also help those kids who are in need, because they need to live their life sufficiently by themselves later. Yeah, even when they grow up, they still have to, you know, like depend on themselves. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, another aspect about the ripple effect that I heard you talking about is that how you actually were able to get your friends and some college classmates, you know, or Um, yeah like over to help you with this mission that you are passionate about so can you tell us a little bit more about the different chapters you have in different universities and how did everybody get involved and uh, yeah is there a you know story or best friend who helped you and how much you know they have worked for this mission
0: yes um Absolutely, and I think that that has been the most rewarding part of Empower Orphans. Um, You know, all of the students who have become involved and who have become like a second family to me. um, Just the passion that I see when they talk about Empower Orphans and the work that we do is it really it inspires me every single day. Um, And I so when I was younger, I think there came a point. I think I was in. Probably, I mean, I had friends throughout elementary school coming with me door to door um, and helping to sell the crafts. But when I was in middle school, I realized how much bigger of a ripple effect I could create if I got more people involved. And it was kind of a learning process for me to figure out how to educate peers about, you know, this extreme amount of poverty halfway around the world that they couldn't see in person and how they could take action. So it was kind of just this. It was trying to figure out, okay, how do I teach them in the most effective way? What is going to appeal to them? Well, how, how are they going to know? How are they going to feel inspired enough to take action? And then we expanded our efforts to the U.S. as well, not only because we saw this need in the community just, you know, half an hour, an hour no away, way, but I also wanted other youth to have that same direct connection with kids and see their impact in person. So I started to do these different fundraisers throughout middle school and high school um, that appealed to the interests of my peers. And we were raising money at the same time then for, um, for these kids, whether they were in Philadelphia or whether they were in India. Um, and I remember I'm, one of my favorite projects in, um, in high school was having a basketball tournament that you know all of my all of my friends came to so it was kind of the best of both worlds. I was able to spend time with my friends, educate them about this poverty, and then um raise money for empower orphans and We took that money and we had an entire book drive um where I I can't even remember how many books we collected at this point. I mean, this was like 10th grade of high school for me. Um, And we renovated an entire library in um, an underprivileged school in Philadelphia. And just seeing the impact it had on those those students was amazing. Then when I started um, college at the Honors College at Penn State, I knew that I wanted to start a chapter there. And I... You know we kind of really had to start small before expanding there and it was kind of almost like starting over again from scratch which was actually such a unique process to see it building but with so many hands on deck this time um and now we just selected our fifth executive board of the chapter and the chapter has now conducted 80 projects um mentoring kids in Pennsylvania they've sponsored education of orphans in Haiti and they've organized two student-led trips to Uganda wow um and I mean it's truly truly amazing and we teach uh students at Penn State about the ripple effect we teach local students about the ripple effect um and you know I think that it always resonates well with students because it shows them that their initial steps don't have to be that big to actually make an impact. Um, but it's it's been the most amazing part, seeing other students get involved. Um, they have really, as I said, become a second family to me. Um, and now their goal is actually to, and part of Empower Friends' goal is to create kind of this network of student-run chapters and open up chapters at other universities and have them run, have them be run with the same model that we have at the Penn State chapter.
1: Yeah, that's wonderful. You know, just hearing what you're saying, you started at nine years old and uh, in middle school, you ask your friends to support you in certain way. But now, as you go to college and a lot of college friends who were able to do, you know, way bigger things compared to when you guys probably did at, you know, yeah. middle school, it's like it is a growing process for all of you, yes. you know, and for the organization to do way bigger impact um, for all these uh, orphans yeah, around the world. So. Yeah, Another aspect I heard about the ripple effects is, uh, yes, the founder and also a lot of, you know, your um, board and friends who are helping you as the organizers, you know, going through these fundraisings. But another thing is that you have expanded not only, you know, like, helping orphans in India and the US but Uganda and uh, Haiti so how did that happen it becomes a world you know worldwide um, mission Mm. you know rather than just helping a specific orphanage in a specific location that has grown as the ripple effect has grown too yeah
0: yeah yeah um you know, I think that, yes, it definitely started at that one orphanage. And, um, it was actually really, it was really funny. Cause I remember when I, when we started helping that orphanage and suddenly they started to get funding, a lot of funding from other sources. And, um, they started to get like government funding and everything. And I thought to myself, you know, there are, there are more orphanages that we can help you know, there are, if they're getting all this funding too, maybe there are other orphanages and schools in the area who aren't getting that much funding, so we decided, okay, let's go look at, let's go find other schools in India, and so we expanded to all these different underprivileged schools throughout, um, like, North India, throughout Mumbai and Pune, and um, then, we started expanding to the US, like in the Philadelphia, New Jersey region, and then at Penn State in um in State College, Pennsylvania. And um then the Penn State chapter, it was their idea to expand to Haiti and with and to Uganda. I mean, I had I we had met this man at as at Penn State who founded this orphanage in Uganda. And I said, like, this has to be the place that We're going to go. If we're going to organize a trip, then we have to go to this orphanage in Uganda and support what this man is doing. Um, So we did that. And with Latin America, we actually had this one volunteer, you know, drive a motorcycle and take all these toys and ride down and drop off toys to different orphanages. So it's been, like, really interesting to just kind of, like, see the – the places that some of these volunteers want to help and how they've been able to expand Empower Orphans in a way that I wouldn't have imagined.
1: That's great to hear. Um, you know, some like another question related to maybe kids, because our key audience is yeah kids, uh, five to 12 years old, uh, because you started since you were nine years old. So you have all this experience from a very young age to this point of raising funds for a certain cause that you're really passionate about. So do you have any suggestions for kids, for example, who also have certain passion or they care for animals for example or homeless and but then they also want to do something to help and at different age you can do you can only do so much you know so to start with a lot of kids probably would sell cookies you know or lemonade stand and stuff like that yeah Uh, of course can you share with us some ideas you have in terms of fundraising and what are some processes and strategies you have and maybe at different stages of your life and to give suggestions to the kids yeah
0: yeah i mean i you know i guess speaking from the experience of empower orphans it does start small so you know starting with selling cookies amazing like that's perfectly a great way to raise money um you kind of you have to start with what you are able to do. You know if you're five years old, you're not going to start with writing grants. You know it just doesn't make sense at that point to do that. You want to start with something that you feel passionate about and something that you feel like you're you're proud of. And if that's going out and selling cookies and knowing that you selling cookies is gonna raise money for whatever cause you're um, advocating for, then that's fantastic um but it's you know it's and as you get older you start to realize and start to understand your audience better you start to understand what it is that people your age like um and it also depends on how you're gonna get the money who's giving the money is it the parents is it the kids how old are you at this point so and i think it it really varies from your age and the resources that you have but one thing that i found so Helpful when I was growing up was understanding what my peers were interested in. Um, If they were, if they were at an age, and you know the peers that I was trying to um, appeal to were really interested in sports, we would do sports tournaments that would raise money. Um, If they were a group of girls and they were interested in jewelry, maybe we could have done making jewelry and selling them. Um, If it was like a group of adults. You know, at one point we had done wine charms um, where we sold like charms, like little charms that went around the stem of a wine glass. So it's kind of about you don't have to start off with, you know, writing grants and doing like GoFundMe campaigns. You can do things that are small in your community um, because then that's the way that you're going to get experience. But try everything. Try every avenue of fundraising. (laughs) You never know which one is gonna work.
1: Definitely, yeah. Another thing I'm wondering too about is your parents, who at the very beginning expose you to this kind of um, nice events. You know, you, you can do together as a family to help others. At the same time, I'm sure they probably have helped you a lot along the way when you were doing your first fundraising when you were nine years old at the garage sale and many different things. Yeah. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit uh, of, you know, how would a parent can support a kid when they have certain ideas like this? And how did your parents do so? Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, that's a really, really good question. Um, and I think that, you know, it's funny because like I, my parents, I don't think that they really thought that I don't, I think, I don't know if they thought much of it at the time. I think they were like, oh, this is actually like a really good idea. Um, and let's, let's roll with it. Let's see how far she actually gets with it. Let's see if she actually continues it. Um, but they were so supportive every single step of the way um you know i we would sit down and like spend time as a family where we would watch tv and we would make these crafts together um we would have like a little assembly line where we would make these wine charms and it was nice to be able to spend time with my family while also doing while also like you know, being productive and trying to make these crafts. It was nice that they were helping me with that. And when I would do craft fairs, you know, they were the ones who would help me in setting up everything and teaching me like, okay, here's how you pitch to people who are walking by. Um, and they've helped every single step of the way. I mean, my parents have come with me to pretty much every single award, um, they've, they've kind of guided me with creating the grants. And, you know, I think, and obviously as I got older, I, you know, became a lot more independent with everything. Um, but in the early days, you know, they had to help me because, you know, I, they wanted to see me succeed with it. And so they tried to do everything that they could to help me. Um, but, you know, I think that the best way that other parents can help their kids is to really talk through the cause that they are passionate about and see how best, you know, this, this mission can be accomplished. Um, and that might mean really starting small. But as, like, the kid gets more and more experience and sees more success from, like, these smaller events they'll be able to gather up the courage to keep doing bigger ones. But, you know, teach them and be patient with them um, as they learn. Because it is it is really a trial and error process. And nothing is too small um, to start with.
1: Definitely. So to wrap up our conversation also is a effect for the ripple effect. Yeah, do you have... Any last word to say to our kid audience or any parents out there, you know, wanting to teach their kids about whatever you do, start small and you can create a big
0: impact out there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would just say again that, you know, um, create turning your ideas into action will have an impact no matter how small or crazy the idea might seem you will be able to impact your communities or whatever audience you're aiming for um and you know if there is something that you you know whereas i saw this poverty in india directly it doesn't have to be something that you see directly if you hear about an issue that you think that you can help with or you feel passionately about, take action on it. You know, it's, I've always been of the belief that you turn your empathy that you have about a cause, whether you see it directly or not, or even your experiences into action. So think about what it is that you are, you feel strongly about and find out ways that you can get involved in helping out with that issue
1: wonderful yeah thank you so much Neha yeah for your time and also all these sharing you know about your experience and and everything you have told us about yeah um I wish you best luck with your medical school and all your future career yeah and I'm sure you can do great things no matter where you go definitely with your like big hearts and also such a action-oriented girl yeah so (laughs) (laughs) definitely yeah thank you so much
0: thank you yes thank you so much thank you for having me
1: so there you have it it is just so admirable that Neha started her nonprofit organization at nine years old and kept empowering orphans and underprivileged children for 14 years. As she was telling us about the ripple effects, taking action is a very important step in the process. So no matter how small it is to begin with, as time goes by and your experience level and understanding about your key audiences grow and the impact you can create will for sure increase too. Okay, so I hope Neha's story has inspired you just as much as it did to me. Thanks everyone for listening to Spark by Entrepreneur Kid, where all kids are empowered to learn, create, and become. I'm the host, Lee. We will see you next time.
0: Thanks for listening to the Spark Creators Podcast at peachandplumlab.com.